Think with me. God is so good. God is so to the message, I'm sure, but the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his children, and uh, maybe I'll just praise him a little bit this morning, and uh, how great thou art, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, How 
Oftentimes when I'm asked to speak in a revival, I'm, I preface it by saying this, what is revival? I guess asking a few questions, what is revival? How do we know if we have it? And how do we make sure we keep it? What is revival? Well, if we were looking in medical terms, revival would be something that was alive that was vibrant and it's no longer vibrant but then it's made vibrant again. Something that was no longer alive but it was made alive again. I was talking to old brother Bill, brother Bill Foreman, he's here somewhere and he said, he said, he said, man, last year he said I had, I had such a good time and he said God was doing things in my heart and, and man, I, was, I, I got rid of this, I got this out of my life and he said, but God was working in my life and he said, like it is through the course of time, you know, we, we, we start to get back into, into the normal routine and, and uh, things get reintroduced into our life or, and it's just not even all the time just sinful things, just things that weigh us down spiritually. Yeah. And I said, well, revival is kind of like a bath, amen. It's good to have it every once in a while. And the more often you have it, the better off you are. And I'll tell you, that's what we want here this week. We want the Lord to show up and want him to do work in our heart. He's already here. What I'm asking for, not necessarily is for him to show up. What we're asking for is him to make himself known. Sure. We're, waking, we're, we're asking him to manifest his presence amongst us, and we're asking him to change us so we are different than what we are when we started. I told the teens this morning, one of the, one of the most tragic parts of evangelism is people, when it's all said and done, they say, boy, what a meeting we had. Well, we had a good meeting, and I, and I ask them, well, what did God do in your heart? And what are you going to change based upon what God did in your heart? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if we have a good meeting and we sing, and listen, I, 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 we sense his presence already here this morning. He's manifested himself already. But let me tell you, there's been times where he showed up in, at times in the Bible and he manifested himself and they were in awe of his presence, but they did not change and experience the judgment of God to follow. I'm going to tell you, we'll, we'll know if we have a good meeting, Pastor Fury, in about two months. That's when we'll be able to tell if we had a good revival. It's not even what happens this week. It's, and though I'm thankful, I'm sure no doubt somebody will be saved this week. And, and no doubt somebody will make some things right. And no doubt there will be some tears shed as they were already shed over uh, not only the goodness of God, but over repentance and how God's going to break our hearts. But it'll be two months from now. That we'll begin to see. See, when you begin, when you plant something, you don't get immediate fruit from it. It's through the course of time we'll see what the Lord does in our hearts. 
And I appreciate the privilege of coming back here and and uh, boy, God's just been so good to us and allowing us to come back. And this church has a special place in our hearts. And uh, we kick other people off of our schedule so we can keep this church on our schedule. So we appreciate y'all having us. But well, let's get to the message this morning. Second Kings chapter number two. And if I could this morning, I want to take a trip into your pastor's heart. I don't mean physically because that would hurt. Amen. And uh, he's like, please don't do that. But I want to take a trip, if I could open up your pastor's heart for his church, for his people. And I I know his heart would say, this isn't my church and this isn't my people. It's the Lord's church and it's the Lord's people. But the Bible talks about the man of God, God's man and God's pastors that he has set over us, that are ministers to us. And I believe if I could take your senior pastor's heart and your assistant pastor's heart and and the leadership of this church, I believe if I could open their heart up today, I would believe they, I believe they'd have a message for you. And I want to try to convey that message today. Bible says in 2 Kings chapter number two, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that uh, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophet that were at Bethel came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou not that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. That's a nice way to say shut up. Amen. That's in the Greek right there. And, uh, but the Bible says, and Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho saying to Elijah, I mean, they say the same exact thing. Don't you know your master's going to be taken away from you today? And he said the same thing. Shut up. I mean, hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And the Bible says, and the 50 men and the sons of the prophet went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, and we know the story, he wrapped it together, and he smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone together, were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, that's a hard thing, nevertheless. If thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. And if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked. That behold, there was a chariot of fire and and, and horses of fire and parted them asunder. For the first time, they're separated. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, 
my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he rent them into two pieces. But I like this in verse number 15, it says, and we know in verse number 13, he takes his mantle. He begins to scream, where is the Lord God of Elijah? The Bible says the, the Jordan River parts and he goes back across. And the sons of the prophet, verse 15, which were, which were to view at Jericho, saw him. And they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves down to the ground before him. Father, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts this morning. Lord, you've already met with us. We need you to make your presence known once again. Lord, I pray if there's any lost in this building, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior before this meeting is done. Lord, I pray that you fill me with the blessed Holy Ghost of God. That as a songwriter put it, we will, without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We see the story here, and very quickly this morning, I want to get this message, and I want you to really get this, because I believe this is why your pastor has revival. I believe this is why men have, he's brought in men, and and your staff has brought in men, and and folks that will sing and preach and, and proclaim the words of God and try to help this church. I believe every Elijah has the hopes and dream for Elisha one day that he will take up his mantle and do not only the things that he did, but do greater than what he ever did. You see, we have 12 specific recorded miracles in the life of Elijah. And he prays his prayer. He He said, pray that the Lord will give me a double portion of thy spirit. And as we know, the Bible records us now seven miracles by Elijah and 14 miracles by Elisha. But if I could open up the heart of every pastor and of your pastor in specific, I believe there'd be several places where he'd want you to go before this week is out. Before this revival is done, I believe there's some places he wants you to go. I believe, number one, this sermon is just plain and straightforward. I believe, number one, you've got to go to Gilgal. In verse number one, he said, he said, this is, they started off in this place. Now, that's not where exactly the, the exact place they started. They actually started in Elisha's hometown where he saw him tending. The Bible says he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. That's 24 oxen. He was busy. The Bible says that he took his mantle and he threw it on top of Elisha that morning. And he said, and he told him that the Lord had called him. And the Bible says that he wanted to go to his father and mother and say, we don't have time to do that. And he burned everything. He burned every bridge back to his old life and began to follow God's man. The Bible says they end up in this place called Gilgal. You say, what's Gilgal? Gilgal is a place of dedication. You see, the children of Israel, when they came to, when they came to the Jordan River and they, they had finally accepted the promises of God and the nation of Israel, they came to the Jordan River and the Bible says that God parted the Jordan River and he said, when you get to the other side of the Jordan River, I want you to dedicate that place as a monument for God bringing you out of Egypt and into this land. And the heart of every pastor says, number one, I want my people to be saved. 
I don't want our heart's desires that nobody that would ever sit under the sound of our voices would have to spend eternity in a Christless place called hell. And his heart's desire is that you know that you know that you know that you have been born again by the grace of God. Not because you're a church member, not because you're a charter member, not because you sing in the choir, not because you teach a Sunday school class, not because you may play an instrument in the church or you may be a preacher yourself, but know that you know that you know that you've been born again. And every God-called man has a desire in his heart to know that you know that you're saved Can I tell you this morning? You say, well, the pastor would be embarrassed if I got saved this morning. How much more is he going to be embarrassed? Because the Bible says that he must give an account for you in the day of judgment. And how much heartbroken will he be when you stand before God and you don't know and God has to say, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. No, the Bible says he wants to give an account for you and he wants to do it with joy. Say, yes, they got saved. But there's more to this Christian life than just getting out of Egypt. There's going to have to be some Jordan rivers that are crossed. So brother, I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. But can I tell you, there's so much more to your life than just being saved. The Bible says, yet so is by fire, in a sense, by the skin of your teeth, some of you are going to make it to heaven. And many of us will spend 40 years of our life wandering in wildernesses and sure God will take care of us and sure he'll give us manna and sure he'll give us water from great depths and sure he will give us quail and he will always provide for his children. But how much better would it be if God's people decided we're not satisfied with staying in the wilderness and just God being saved and he's kind of good to us but serving him and crossing the Jordan River and living a prosperous Christian life. And every pastor has a heart's desire for his people to know what it is to cross that Jordan and say, fellas, God did this. He told the nation of Israel, he said, choose you out 12 stones. And he said, make sure every tribe has 12 stones. He said, we're going to make this place and we're going to dedicate this place because God has brought us this far. I think if we were to take a trip to your pastor's heart, he would say, man, I want my people to get dedicated to God. I want you to build some monuments in your life that says, I love Jesus. But not only did they go to Gilgal. By the way, Gilgal is not only a place of dedication, it's a place of division. Do you know, you, you can, God will take care of you in Kadesh Barnea. He'll take care of you uh, over there on Mount Sinai and outside of Sinai. He'll take care of you there. But can I tell you, he's got so much more for you in Canaan land. He's got such abundance in Canaan land. But some of us will never see revival because we're not willing to divide from some things in our lives. Well, Brother Allen, if I, if I, if I really, if I, here, here's the problem with revival. If I really got revival, I would have to give up. And God probably just filled in the blank for some of you. I mean, if I really got dedicated to the Lord, I would have to separate away from. And I believe that's one of the biggest reasons that hinders our revival. We're not willing to separate. See, the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. 
and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you unto myself. But hey, if we never divide, if we're never separated, you see God, the first thing he ever did, the Bible says that he came to the universe and he said, let there be light. And then not only that, but he said he separated the light from the darkness. And I tell you church this morning, if you're gonna see revival for some of you, it's going to take some separation. It's going, to, it's going to separate some of you from your favorite television programs. It's going, to, it's going to separate some of you from your favorite music. It may separate some of you from your favorite buddies, from your friends, and from that relative that may be trying to hinder you. It may separate some of you from what you drink and what you put into your body and what you put into your eyes and your ears. It may change some of our internet patterns, but hey, if we're ever gonna see God move in our generation like he's moved in the generations before, we're gonna have to pass Gilgal and get in that place of dedication and division. But not only that, he said, not only do I gotta go to Gilgal, but he said, we gotta get to Bethel. We've gotta get to Bethel. So what's Bethel? That's the house of God. Bethel is not only a place of division and devotion. Bethel, Bethel excuse me, uh, division. We not only got to go to division and not only got to go to a place of dedication, we've got to get to a place of devotion. See, Bethel was that place where when Abraham needed to get a hold of God. And he said, God, I've got to have you. God, you've got to meet with me. God, I've got to know your plans. God, I've got to know what's in your heart. God, I got to know that you're the one that's still leading me. And I know you spoke to my heart, and I know that we've traveled out of this. I left the Ur of the Chaldees. I left Mesopotamia. He left the most fertile place on the planet at that time. He left Mesopotamia, and he said, God said, I want you to go into this barren wilderness area in the land of Canaan. And he said, God, I've got to know that you're still in this. He begins to pray, and God meets with him, and he names the name of the place Beth-El. Beth meaning house, El referring to the God of heaven. But see, not only did Abraham meet there, Jacob, when he began to wrestle with the angel, and he said, I've got to know, God, I know when I was born, you declared to my parents that I was going to rule over my brother because he had Esau's heel. You remember that story in the Bible? And he said, I was going to rule, but I've been tricked. He said, I failed so much, and I failed, and I failed, and I failed, and I tricked my brother, and I tricked my father, and everything's gone wrong in my life, seemingly. And God, I need to know that you're still there, and God meets with him. And he names the name of the place El Bethel because he says, now I know the God of the house of God. And not only that, but when Joshua, hey, when Joshua had his terrible defeat after the battle of Jericho, he goes down to Ai and they begin to be defeated because they did not seek God's face, by the way. Because God said, had you sought me, you would have known not to send such a small group down to Ai. But can I tell you where he went after he got defeated at Ai? He went back to Bethel. Say, what are you saying? If I could go into the heart of your pastor, every man of God that I know of, every youth director, every assistant pastor that I know, if I could crawl inside of the recesses of their heart, they would say, I want my people to know the God that I know so well. So well, I got a pastor, and the attitude years ago was, that's our pastor. We pay him to pray. 
He can, he, he, can, he can be like the Pope that can just go in some secret room somewhere and he can know God. He can be like the priest. He can, he can go in there and he can understand God and he can know God and he can get messages from God. No, the Bible says that every one of us are kings and priests unto the Lord God Almighty and you don't need a priest to mediate between you and God. You are priests and kings unto the Lord Jesus Christ and you can go boldly into the throne room of God and you can know God just as intimately as he knows God. And your pastor, he, he may have put it in different terms. But if we could put his heart on display this morning, he would say, that's why we're having a revival. Because I want my people seeking and knowing what it is to have God's presence in their life. I want them to know what it is to be spirit-filled and spirit-led and spirit-controlled. And I want you to know the God that I know. How many times did I talk to my teenagers in our church and as I preach to people across our country and this country and others that the Lord has allowed me to preach and coast to coast and, and my heart's desire is that they, they don't just become a fan of Calvin Allen and say, man, that guy preaches and, and God's power is on his life. No, I want the businessman that sits in here to have God's power and presence on his life. I want the Sunday school teacher. I want the stay-at-home mothers. I want the man that goes to the factory. I want the man that farms his, his chickens. I want the man, hey, the lady that raises her cucumbers in her garden there. I want them all to know what it is to have God's presence on their lives. I want every teenager to know you don't have to wait until you've got gray hair on your head to know what it is to live under the power and influence of the Holy Ghost of God. You don't have to wait till you get to college. God's called some of you to preach already. You don't have to wait to get to college till you, did that, till you do it. You can get dedicated. You can get division in your life away from the things that are, and you can get devoted and have and know what it is to know God. See, how do we know that we know God? You know, I thought about it this morning as I was, I was in the restroom getting ready this morning. I thought about it, you know, Knowing God is kind of like this. Brother Fury, I, I, I'm not going to embarrass you to what discussions we had yesterday, amen, when your wife was yelling at you. But anyways, we know sometimes before we even say something how our wives are going to respond to that. We already know. We, you know why? Because we know them. I know right away, if I do this, my wife is going to have a big problem with that. And, but if I do that, oh, that's going to make her real happy. And I try to do more than that than the other one. Now, I can tell you right now, if my wife comes in the house and I've been home all day and there's still a pile of dishes in the sink, she's probably not going to come up to me and give me a kiss at that moment. Do you know what knowing God is? Knowing that in my life, man, I know if I did that. I know if I did that, man, I'd grieve the Holy Spirit. And I know if I did that, if I, if I moved that way with my life, man, I know that wouldn't please the Lord. And the heart of every man of God wants people to know the God that he knows and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he's sensitive to. How many times have we preached, Pastor, in our times and we, we knew the Lord was moving? And maybe the Lord was moving in our hearts. 
And maybe, man, we thought, man, yes, God, yes, I'm, and I'm telling you, we, 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 and I don't mean to reveal this part of his heart this week, but he said sometimes, he said, sometimes sitting in church, he said, it's more stressful for me to sit during the revival and hear it because his heart is, I want, I want to make sure my people get this. I want to make sure they're being helped. I want to make sure they're being fed. I want to make sure, hey, their people are getting it because I have a desire to see that Elisha, hey, that to Elisha, you will know the God that I know. So that one day when you and I cry out and say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? God will do the same thing and he'll split the same river and he'll call down the same fire from heaven and he'll feed even more widows and we'll see greater things than our pastor ever saw. But his desire is that you know the God that he loves and knows. But not only that, he said, I don't want him to just go to Bethel. He said, we're going to have to go down to Jericho too. See, Jericho's a place of danger. Gilgal's a place of dedication and division. Bethel is a place of devotion. But then he said, hey, we've got to take a trip down to Jericho. That's a place of danger. Nothing good in the scriptures ever. We, we, we read about the man that went down from the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves and he was robbed of his clothing. He was beaten Why? Because that road to Jericho was known as a place of danger. It was known as a place of thieves, and it was known that you couldn't travel by yourself oftentimes because it was such a dangerous place. But can I tell you this? Elijah knows that, Elisha, if you don't go through Jericho, you're never going to be the Christian you need to be. Can I say to you very quickly, there, I've had some Jerichos in my life that I would have never preferred to go through. I've gone through some times in my life that I thought, man, I don't think I can make it through this. But hey, guess what? God was still leading me through those places. And sometimes God puts some things in our lives. And sometimes God puts us through trials and tribulations of our life, not to test, not to test us, but to reveal us. Because God knows that pressure. If I asked you to lift 200 pounds here today and you couldn't lift it, it's not a test for you. It's revealing the strength you have or don't have. But God knows if you don't lift a little more than what you can handle, you'll never get any stronger. And those of you that have lifted weights in this building, you understand, you come to that point where you can barely lift that weight. And when you can barely lift an arm curl that weight or bench press that weight, those muscles are being torn down because if those muscles never get torn down, they'll never get rebuilt stronger than before. And can I tell you, every Elijah looks and says, I don't want to go there, but it's needful that we go there. Some of you right now may be facing some Jerichos in your life. You may be facing some trials and some tribulations in your life and you, you may be under the load this morning and you may feel like everything's about to collapse and why doesn't God just come in and rescue me and why doesn't the preacher just do such and such? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's because we know that you have to go through Jericho if you're going to be all that you're going to be for God, you have got to go through Jericho. Hey, Moses, you've got to spend 40 Years on the backside of the desert. Why? Because you're going to spend another 40 years later on the backside of the desert leasing my children out. Yeah. 
Noah, you've got to understand, you've got to go through the purging of this world. Why? Because I'm going to begin a new, I'm going to show you that God can create a new beginning out of perverse times. Jesus, you've got to go to the cross. And the Bible says he endured the cross, despising the shame. He, he, the Bible says, as the author and finisher of our faith, hey, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. But sometimes you're going to go through a place a day. But can I tell you this? There's another place coming. That's the Jordan River. That's a place of deliverance. That's a place of deliverance. But here's the problem. Many people stop at Jericho and they never get to the Jordan. Many people will stop and, oh, yeah, they don't mind getting saved. Oh, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad by the grace of God I am what I am. And I'm so glad I got over that. I'm glad I got out of Egypt. And I'm even glad I've seen some success in the Christian life by going to Gilgal. I'm glad, boy, I'm in church this morning, Brother Allen. Isn't that enough? I mean, I got saved. Isn't that enough? No. You got to get to Bethel. Brother Allen, I have my devotions now. I, I mean, I've got my devotions. I read the Bible. I pray a little bit. Isn't that enough? No, you've got to go through some hard times now. Because there is something greater that is coming over and there is a place of deliverance called the Jordan River that you've got to get to in the victorious Christian life. Let me ask you this week, as we seek revival, we seek the Lord getting in here and doing some things in our heart and lives. The reason behind it all is somebody somewhere, some pastor, some assistants, some deacons, somebody somewhere said, boy, I've got a heart's desire. I've got a heart's desire that it could be not just the pastor, but they in verse 2. They in verse 4. They in verse 6. They in verse 7. They in verse 8, they in verse 9, they in verse 11. Can I ask you it this way? At the end of the week, based upon your decision, will your pastors say, It was worth having this revival because they got something. Or will they say, we just missed it. We missed it. And we brought this group in. We brought this preacher in. They just missed it. They missed it. Because I can tell you, I've been sitting there when people have been preaching to my teens and people have been preaching to my group, and I'm thinking, please, Lord. God, help them. God, help them to get it. God, help them. Help that lady that's struggling. Lord, she needs this message on encouragement. God, help that man that's struggling. Help that person that's under the load today. God, help that person that they've been straying from you and they don't know you like they ought to and they don't have a walk with you like they ought to. God, please help them to get it. But see, that's the partnership that we have with each other. 
as preachers and church. We can't force you. I wish I, I wish I could force some people to get saved. Well, I've got an aunt and uncle who don't know the Lord. And I wish I could for I wish I could grab them and I wish I could say, okay, you're you're getting saved. I wish I could do it. I wish I could take them to Gilgal with me. I wish I could take some of my teenagers and young people and adults in the church and I say, man, you're you're going to have a devotion. You're going to know God. Get over here. I wish I could take it. Some people and say, listen, your life is not lollipops and gumdrops. You're going to go through some tough times. Because I know there's a Jordan coming. And we all want to cross the Jordan. We all want to take off that coat and smoke those waters and see them part hither and thither. But can I tell you, some of you, because you won't get saved, you're never going to see that. Because some of you won't start praying and reading your Bible on a daily basis, you're never going to see that. And because some of you aren't willing to go, listen, every church goes through tough times. And I cannot tell you how many people I have seen jump out of our church at the Jericho moments, and so they never get to the Jordan there are people that, I, I don't have time to go into the miracle of our new building. Somebody ended up giving us half a million dollars. I mean, God, we got, our property should have been $4 million. We got it for $380,000. It's insane what the Lord did, but it took about nine years. And right in the middle, even towards the end of that, we had folks jumping out. Preacher, I, I, I think he's lost his wisdom. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I don't think God's leading us this way. I think he's making this up. I don't think, and he said, no, God, God, I'm telling you, God's leading us. And we moved into the building. Within five months, we grew by 60%. We grew so much, we couldn't have everybody in one service in the morning. Yes, me. They missed crossing the Jordan because they stopped in Jericho. And I tell you, church, you've been through some Jerichos and guess what? You're going to visit there again. But don't miss the Jordans because of the other places. We're trying to go somewhere this week. We're trying to have a revival. But your pastor, can I, just frankly, he can't force this revival. He can have a revival meeting, but he cannot force revival. He can, have, he, can have a prayer, he can have a prayer meeting, but he cannot force intimate prayer with God. What are you going to do? Let's crawl into our pastor's heart this week and say, you know what? There's somebody that cares about my spiritual well-being, and I'm going to respond. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. I thank you for how you've worked in our midst this morning, but we're just getting started. Lord, there's some places you have for us and not all of them are pleasant. Not all of them are joyous, God, but every one of them is worth it. Lord, I don't really know, honestly, why you had me preach this message. I don't really know what the response is gonna be in the hearts of your people. But I pray wherever they were challenged. Some of them just need to flat out get devoted to the church and divided from the world. 
Some of them, you've been dealing with them. I pray that this week they would decide, you know what, I'm dealing with it. Whatever you speak to me about, I'm dealing with it. And I'm going to get to know you. And the God, not only are they going to, but even if hard times come in my life, I'm, I'm sticking with you. And I'm sticking with you till we get home and we cross the Jordan. What a day that'll be. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. As the pastor comes and gives the invitation plea, would you seek revival this week? Would you respond and say, God, whatever you want to do, that's what I will do. You want me to come every night? I will be here. Lord, you want me to increase my prayer? You want me to start a prayer life? You want me to start reading my Bible? I will do it. Wherever the Lord has you lead. I'd be a fool to give up my life to travel around countries and travel around this world and across the United States to preach so that I can just have a quote-unquote good service and God never does anything. Will you respond to what he tells you to do, Pastor? Pastor?